Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, good, good. Okay, I get asked this question more and more and more and more every Sunday, and here it goes. The question I get asked is when? When are we going to have our first service in the new building? And here it is. The building is ready. The building is ready. Yeah. Permits are in. Most of the staff is in. We've been working there. I've been working there. Everything is ready when it has to do with a building. But let me say this. Honestly, I don't believe the church is ready. Why do I say that? Because we are the church. We are the body. And as I visit with every ministry leader here at Grace Bible Church, I tell them or I ask them, what is your concern? Is it the, the electricity is it the fact that our audio is not going to sound good? What is it? And they all respond with this. We don't have volunteers. When my boys were living with us still, they're off in college, I would often have what I'd call family meetings. I'd bring the family down and say, hey, guys, we're not living to our expectations. Mama is doing most of the work. We need to help her. You have a responsibility, son. You have a responsibility, son. I have a responsibility. I'm not asking you to do things on your own. I'm going to lead and do the things that we're all called to do as a family. I'm having a family meeting before we start the service, church. Now let me say this before I continue. If you're new with us here at Grace Bible Church, this is not for you. If you've been with us for a while now and you consider this church your home, listen. And if you take offense, I'm sorry. But this campaign is called preparing a place for others. It's not called preparing a place so I can be more comfortable and chill out. That's not what it's called at all. We're here as a body of Christ to serve. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. Look at Romans 12. The body, the body. I'm asking you to step up and serve. Now, I hear this quite often. Well, pastor, I served for so many, many, many years. I need a break. Well, I thank God that Jesus hasn't taken a break. He still intercedes for us. He's still serving us. I also hear this often. But I work all day. I'm tired. We all do. But the First Impressions team is here, the children's ministry is here, the student ministry is here, the worship is here. So here's what I'm asking you, and please don't take it the wrong way. Just step up and serve. Just a little bit. We're not going to burn you out, I promise. Imagine, imagine if, a, if the whole church body stepped up and served one Sunday a month. We wouldn't have to serve maybe every seven months because there are a thousand of us at Grace Bible Church. So here's what you're going to do, please. Take out your phones. All of you guys, take out your phones, please. Now if you're serving, just tell us where you're serving. If you're new with us here at Grace Bible Church, again, it's not for you. And what you're going to do is you're going to text GBC Connect, no, GBC Serve to 9400. Go ahead. GBC Serve to 9400. It's going to ask you for your first name and last name. It's going to ask you for email. And then you get prompted. It's going to ask you, where would you like to serve? It's not a commitment. You can check it out. We're just going to give you information. So maybe you can serve in one of these ministries. There's always a place for the body. Again, let's all step up and serve. 
and serve our community so they can feel, so they can see the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't do. I am here serving. I've served in the children's ministry. I've served in the, in the high school ministry. I've served in the first impressions. I really want to serve in the worship, but Isa doesn't let me. All right? Thank you, guys. So let me ask you, do you agree with this quote from Immanuel Kant? And here's what he says. Rules for happiness. Rules for happiness. And listen, he says this. The rules for happiness is to find something to do, find someone to love, and find something to hope for. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with those rules? What he's saying is this. You want to be happy in life, find someone to love. You really want to be happy in life, find something to do that you love and do it. You want to be happy in life, find something that you hope for, that you wish for. And then, and then will you, you will be happy. Do you agree with that? If you do, let me ask you this. What happens when you find someone to love and all your happiness is in that person and then that person stops loving you? There goes your happiness. What if you find something to do that you really, really passionate and love and then one day, God forbid, you can't do it anymore. You love your work and one day you can't work. What happens then? Bye-bye, happiness. What if, what if you find happiness in something that you hope for that you wish for, that you dream of, and that dream never comes true, then you're no longer happy. Let's be honest. Most of what we do in our lives is in searching for happiness. We all want to be happy, myself included. But see, it's sad that a lot of us don't know the difference between happiness and joy. See, happiness is dependent on your happenings. If something good is happening around you, then you are happy. But the moment things go south, your happiness goes south. Joy. Joy is not dependent on what's going on around you. Joy means that no matter what's going on around you, it doesn't mean that you're not sad. It doesn't mean that you're not happy. But what joy signifies, what it really means is that no matter what, you still have that joy. Church, the Bible rarely talks about happiness. But the Bible always talks about joy. Everlasting joy. Let me give you one guess and see if you know where joy can be found and who it comes from. All right, anytime you're at church, especially, and someone asks you a question, the answer is always Jesus. So let me ask you again, where do you think that you can find joy? Thank you. Joy that's everlasting. See, no matter what's happening around you, I'm not saying that there are not seasons where you are sad. But you don't cling on your circumstances you cling on him. That's the joy that we're going to study about today.
Today we do conclude our, our, our series called Christmas Worship. And our prayer throughout this series has been not only to realize where these songs come from that we sing in Christmas, but more importantly, realize what we're singing and who we are singing to. And today we're going to study the most popular Christmas song ever, which is Joy to the World. But here's a shocker. This song, this poem was not meant for Christmas. And we'll see why in just a minute. Brief history. This song was, uh, was written by a man named Isaac Watt in 1719. Now he was born into a Baptist culture. His dad was a Baptist elder. And every Sunday that he'd go to, to church, this young lad Isaac would tell his dad, I'm so bored. The hymns that we sing, they're just so plain. So the dad challenged him, okay, son, do something about it. So young Isaac wrote over 600 hymns and over 100 poems. So when he first wrote this poem, including hundreds of others, a lot of people in the congregation called him a heretic. That's crazy. How can we be singing these songs? So they pushed him off to the side. But as the young lad grew up, he himself became a pastor and he grew in popularity. And then the people started paying attention to what he had written. And so joy to the world came into the world. And this song is based on Psalm 98. Isaac passed away, but 44 years later, another man by the name of Lowell Mason picked up this poem and wrote the melody to the song as we know it now. Joy to the world. So what I want us to do with the time we have together is first look at Psalm 98, where this song originated from. And then we're going to look briefly at the song and correlate the both to really understand the significance, the meaning of not only what the psalmist wanted us to have, but also Isaac Watt in his song. So if your Bibles with you, please open them up to Psalm 98. Brief context on the psalm. This was not a psalm written by David. A lot of people believe that the psalm was written by David. But historians believe otherwise. Why? Because this psalm was written many, many, many years after David. As a matter of fact, this psalm was written when the Israelite people were coming out of exile after being in, captive, in captivity uh, in the Babylon nation. And so they're singing coming out of Babylon into the temple. And so the psalmist writes this psalm saying, rejoice, we are free. And here's what he says in Psalm 98 verse 1. He says, oh, sing to the Lord. Sing to Jehovah. If you have your Bibles with you, circle that word Lord. And every time you see Lord all capitalized, it means that. Jehovah. Swing, sing to Jehovah a new song for he he has done marvelous things, he says. He goes on, he says this, his right hand and his holy arm, these are symbols of power. He says, have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nation. All the nations know of his power, of his righteousness, of his salvation. So sing, he's saying. Verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel, to us. 
All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Sing, sing, he's saying. Rejoice because salvation has come. He continues in verse 4. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now catch this. All the earth, every single creature, all the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of melody. He's telling the whole earth to rejoice no matter who you are. Make a joyful noise so that everyone can hear of our great God. How? How should we rejoice? Verse 6, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. He's saying, just make noise with all sorts of instruments. Just rejoice. And then he says this in verse 7, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world, uh, all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Let all of nature sing. Man, that's awesome. He continues in verse 9. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Why? Why should we praise the Lord? Because he came and will come back to judge with righteousness. He is returning. And he's saying rejoice. Rejoice because of that. The people were rejoicing, rejoicing because they had just been freed from Babylon. And it's believed, as we read in Chronicles, that when they entered the temple, boy, did they rejoice. They sang so loud in thanking God, in rejoicing God, that it's believed that you can hear the voices going up to the heavens for miles and miles and miles. That should not change, church. We should rejoice and sing so loud that people outside the building can hear us for miles and miles and miles. Isaac Watt knew exactly what the psalmist meant. So because he studied this psalm and felt this psalm, he wrote joy to the world. Now this song, Joy to the World, which was originally a poem, has four stanzas as we're about to see. But it has one great, everlasting, meaningful truth. Joy to the world. Let's look at that briefly. The verse goes like this. The first verse. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. 99% of us sing this first verse wrong. Most of us, I used to sing this way, still studying, joy to the world, the Lord has come. No, no, is come. And that's the reason Isaac Watt did not intend for this to be a Christmas song. What he is saying is that the Lord has been, is, and forever will be. The Lord is here. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The Lord is come. And so we should rejoice. He goes on, let the earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. All of his creation, just like the psalmist Isaac is saying, sing because the Lord reigns. And he's asking us to prepare our hearts. 
What he's saying is he is the king of all creation. Is he the king in your heart? Does he reign in your heart? Because if he does, sing to him with joy. He goes on and says this, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Make a joyful noise while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Again, just like the psalmist, let all creation sing, rejoice of the goodness of our God. Now this next stanza is usually not sung in Christmas or in any of the Joy to the World so, uh, songs as we know it now. And the reason for it is because it's not part of the psalm. But this is how Isaac Watt wrote this stanza. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thrones infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, for as a curse is found. So true. Stanza number four, he rules the world, world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. He is returning, church, and every knee will bow. He is returning with all righteousness and wonders of his love. And we are to sing and praise until that day comes. Four stanzas, one beautiful overarching truth. What is that truth that I believe the psalmist was writing about, that I believe Isaac wrote the song about? Here it is. No matter the season I am in, my joy is in him. That's what we're saying. No matter the season you are in, your joy should be in him. So because of that, sing, sing, sing. Let your voices be heard. Sing a new song, Isaac wrote. Don't take anything for granted. Always sing and rejoice for who he is. When you feel that in your heart, it does not matter the season that you're in. What matters is the joy that you have. An everlasting joy. See, it's amazing to me that over 2,000 years ago, church, over 2,000 years ago, the king of kings, the one that we sing all these songs to, stepped out of heaven to serve. He humbled himself. And, and check this out. Sometimes we read the gospel and we don't really consider what we're reading. He suffered all of his life ridiculed, made fun of, always on the go. Boy, did he suffer. And then we all know he suffered at the cross for you and for me. But you know what blows my mind is that he did all this with joy. Everlasting joy. Look what the author of Hebrews writes about this. He says this, Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the what? I can't hear you. The joy, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. Talk about suffering. Man, forget the physical abuse. Forget the mental abuse, the fact that at the moment that our, that our sin was placed on him, 
He was separated from God. Talk about suffering. And why? Why did he do all this with joy? So that you and me and anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ can have everlasting joy in eternity with him. That's what we celebrate. Not just this season, church. Every single season of our lives. I'm not going to be ignorant and pretend that some of us are not going through a season of difficulties. I know you are. We all are. I'm stressed. You're probably stressed. I know some of you for this season, Christmas is, is a season of depression. You no longer have a loved one with you. I know for some of you because of the state that we're in with inflation and just cost of living going up that some of you might be losing your jobs or might not have enough. And I know, I know that some of you have something that you hope for and wish for, a relationship or another job opportunity or that your marriage is going downhill. I know because I know. And so this season for you is not a very happy season. I get it. But church, I pray, I pray that our rules of happiness change to the rules of joy. That no matter what we're going through right now or any season, we have that joy. That joy that is everlasting. The joy that can only be found in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what if, what if no matter what you're going through, what if, no matter the season you're in, your joy is in Him? What if that would occur in your heart? What if that was your rule for joy, not happiness? What if? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what would happen. Then we would sing joy to the world. The Lord is come, knowing that the Lord is here, knowing that the Lord is in control, knowing that the Lord knows what you're going through, wanting you and me to depend on him. That's what if. What if we changed our rules of happiness to rules of joy? You know what would happen? We'd sing joy to the world. The Savior reigns because he reigns. He will always reign. It's dependent on you. Does he reign in your heart? Because no matter what, he is in control. Trust in him. What if? What if, church? We changed our rules of happiness to rules of everlasting joy. You know what would happen? We would sing joy to the wonders of his love. Because no matter what you're going through, no matter if you feel you're not being loved, he loves you. You don't believe me? Look at the cross. That is the joy we need to live by. Joy to the world. I can only imagine a church family, Grace Bible Church, living this joy out. You know this. You know this. Joy is contagious. You're around someone who's joyful, you're joyful. I double dog dare you. That not only, not only this season, every season, no matter what's going around you, let's contaminate, contaminate all of Laredo, showing joy. So when people ask, how can you be so joyful? We can say, my joy is not in my happenings. My joy is in Christ. In Christ alone. Let's do that together as a church family. And as we sing this last song again, joy to the world. Mean it with your hearts. The Lord is come. Let's pray.
Father God, we do give you thanks and praise for this truth and every truth we read about every Sunday when we open up the greatest book ever, a collection of so many books. And all of them point to the joy, the joy of your son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that no matter what season any of us are going through, not that we can't mourn. Your word clearly says that we can mourn, but we mourn not like the others. We mourn with hope. We mourn with joy. The joy in your son, Jesus. Let us contaminate, contaminate that, that joy to everyone around us and spread the joy, the joy of the world. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week.